0: you looking for an internet talk radio station for your podcast? Look no further. At the helm of passionate world talk radio are two women that want to provide a spot for you and your podcast to be heard. There are many other places for your podcast, but PWTR has the audience. You will not be disappointed. Our station has been on the internet for the past 16 years. Call us for more information, 484-364-1032, or text Jeannie White, Station Manager at P-H-E-C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S-H-O-W at gmail.com for our podcast show details. Welcome to Passionate World Talk Radio. Educate, enlighten, entertain. Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making Just it keep ar- it simple. Uh, I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. Oh, no. Oh, dude. Stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Bravo, bros. Good job.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy, a passionate world talk radio network. Where Our mantra is to educate, enlighten, and entertain the views of the guests may not represent those of the host or the station. Folks, I have a wonderful guest with me today, tonight. Are you a widow or widower? Do you know one who needs help? Because I wish I could clone my guest because she is just wonderful. Her story is amazing and just I never heard a story like my guest. Um, You will hear her story, but I have to promote her book. And the name of the book is The Rebellious Widow, A Practical Guide to Love and Life After Loss. I love the book. I highly recommend it. I urge everyone who is a widow, widower, you lost a partner, and even if you lost a parent, I think it could be for anyone, run to your computer and order it. Amazon.com. With me tonight, and the author of the book, she's an author, she's a grief expert, she's a podcast speaker, she is a business owner. I want to clone her and put her all over the world. (laughs) She's a licensed (laughs) social worker. Uh, My guest with me today is Jill Johnson Young. Welcome, Jill. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And You're I love that intro.
2: Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> wow. Oh, you are quite welcome. I, I do wish I could clone you. And I want to also tell the folks, and Jill will give the information. It will be in the blog. So read the blog. Jill has a chat every Friday. Um, it's 1 p.m. or Humor, is it grace, and,
2: p- humor grace, and Grief it's, um, is a Facebook page.
1: And it's called the Friday
2: Grief Chat. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern time, and then count backwards from there, <laughs> as oh, we've okay. learned today. So, yeah, we start <laughs> at um, 10 a.m. in the Pacific and 1 p.m. in the Eastern, and everyone else is somewhere in between, usually. So, right. yeah, it's a, uh, it's a fun half hour of just discussion, and then we sometimes do specials, like we're doing one this week.
1: Yeah. I I enjoy your podcast, and I, I want to encourage the audience to Go check out your, your podcast. And, you know, people, Jill, they think, well, why are you promoting another podcast? Well, I'll tell you why, folks, because I don't have all the answers. My, my vision, my mission is, is to provide resources, which I wish I knew about, to help you, to help the audience, because I wish somebody would have done that for me. So I'm paying a Which is my mission so, and mine. Right. We, we want to make yes. sure people have all the resources they need for grief.
2: And then I, of course, use it to talk about dementia. And we talk about all the things. Because, you know, there's not very many people who are talking about it.
1: It should be part of our vocabulary. Absolutely. And we need to have these, I, I say, we need to have these uncomfortable conversations until they become comfortable. And they should be comfortable. Right.
2: They should be natural, uh, normal. You know, our dinner
1: table, of yes. course, is always about grief,
2: loss, and end of life and dementia. But that's just because of who we are. But it <laughs> should be something
1: people can talk about. Absolutely. And I want to ask you, Jill. First, we're going to go over your book. How I love the title of your book. I love it. The rebellious <laughs> widow. I just, <laughs> and that fits you. It's fits me. You. It does. <laughs> but when I was, they, gonna, they were like, you know, it. it's
2: not going to get the right image out because you talk about things before end of life. I'm like, I don't care. It's who I am, it's the name of
1: the book. That's all there is to it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I I have to be honest, because I got the book, you know, recently, I didn't get a chance to read it, but I did, you know, look through some chapters and I was like yelling here in New Jersey, so you didn't hear me in California. I'm going, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Yes, this is right, and I just highly recommend your book, and people, you know, will say, Bet you get so passionate. Yeah, I am passionate, because we need to throw people a lifeline. We need to we help do. people,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you are helping people, so thank you. That I is thank my you for goal in life. That's
2: what a social worker does. Thank you.
1: I appreciate that. It was nice to be able to share my story
2: but not make it an autobiography and make it more of a way to help people, which is
1: what it should be. So tell us about your book as to – I know why you wrote it, but can you tell the audience why you wrote the book? I wrote the book because – sure.
2: Because I was a hospice social worker for a very long time, and I am a grief expert and grief therapist, and I see so much that people don't understand, and they should have at their fingertips when someone is chronically ill, becomes terminally ill, needs hospice, needs to understand what they're seeing and hearing at end of life because it's not something that's well-known, and Hallmark cards don't and movies don't exactly show it like it is. And neither does Grey's Anatomy, for that matter. Although I like that whole walk on the beach thing. I thought that was very nice,
1: right? (laughs) Those who haven't watched it,
2: you should. Um, And I wanted something that says you don't have to follow the grief rules. You can, as a widow, widower, or anyone else, not follow the widow rules or the grief rules. You can do grief your way in a way that works for you. And you can set the boundaries. And if you choose, A new relationship at some point, you don't have to excuse yourself, which is not something most people say. In fact, most therapists are trained in some way, shape, or form to say, well, you have to wait a year before you make any changes, and new relationships are, you know, you really aren't making good choices, so you shouldn't do that. And then everyone else follows along, and it's not fair. I've heard that. I've heard that Jill. It's it,
1: it's I and I it's have. nonsense. There's I, no research that supports it. <laughs> I have uh, and you got told it right. It. Um, and yeah, I don't. I think I told it, but I heard it uh, and and I read it. You know, somewhere um, that the reason for that is because you might be substituting one person for another, and because people be are substitutable. Any- Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, people should be making, you know, these major decisions. You know, I look at it as me personally, I'm not ready to date yet. That's me. Right. But you know what? Right. Power to the people who want to, and there's nothing wrong with that. You want to do online dating or whatever you want, what there's like you want a to continuum. do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially. The, the scale I have of say, Jill look, to Betty White. Right. Especially if you've been caregiving like I was for 10 years or short, even if it's shorter, but, you know, you're talking 10 years of caregiving. I did my time. I don't need a year. If I want to date someone the next day, that's my business. Absolutely. And other people will tell you, you can't do that.
2: You're doing it wrong. How dare you? You're not holding on to his memory. You know people aren't you can't they're not widgets and when you lose a spouse an intimate partner you don't exchange them any more than you exchange your mom when she dies and right. if we could just get people talking about it in those terms and stop the judgy judgy we would have mm-hmm. a way healthier grief process and far fewer people dying of heart attacks and strokes in in their grief because they weren't allowed to progress into recovery which is where my thought process is as a therapist. I want my grieving clients to work through everything and then to come out on the other side and recreate their life and take the person who died with them, right? Because I've lost two wives. There's my story. I was married for 23 years to Linda, and she had breast cancer first. We were told in July that she was going to be dead by December, and uh, she didn't die. She had all the chemo, and she worked all the way through because we lived in Florida where we did not have domestic partner health insurance coverage, so I couldn't cover her on my health insurance. And she survived breast cancer. But she had a form of chemo that's very common when you have really aggressive breast cancer, which she did. And it causes heart and lung damage from the moment it's infused. And so 10 years later, she died of pulmonary fibrosis and right-sided heart failure. But we had 10 years. That also meant, though, that I've been a caregiver for a year of breast cancer treatment, which is no joke. I am just in admiration of anyone who survives all the big guns for breast cancer treatment. It is atrocious. And then... When she ended up with pulmonary fibrosis, that's a no-win. You can't survive that disease. So we were told at the outset we had five years at best. We got three. That whole time I was caregiving, and I was transitioning our household with three kids from two parents to one parent, from two of us taking care of stuff to one of us taking care of stuff. And in her final months, we had hospice come in, Because I asked for it. Note, people, you can ask for a hospice referral. And we got the hospice referral, and Linda became very close to one of her nurses, who was named Casper. Because, you know, everyone should have the friendly ghost for their hospice. (laughs) Right? And they were two of a kind. They had the same kind of dads. They had the same kind of moms. Um, In a lot of ways, they were both nurses. They, they just connected, and nurses connect with nurses, just like grief people connect with grief people, and dementia families connect with those. We all have our own sort of inside um, culture and humor and weirdness, and they connected. Right. And before Linda died, she kept telling everyone you, that Casper and Jill have to get married before I die. I have to have a promise that they're going to do that after my death. Yeah, and we both said no. And I said, you know, I'm quite married to you and I'm kind of struggling here because you're dying and that's not really not fair. And I have three teenage girls on my hands. And she said, yeah, that's why you need to remarry. She was actually pretty wise at that. Um, And (laughs) eventually after she, we both agreed we would have coffee and we would be friends. And that was enough to satisfy her and make her feel like I wasn't going to be alone and there was going to be somebody around who'd been through the worst of it with her. Because it's hospice who sees everything that really goes on, right? Not, not the outsiders, right. it's the people inside the house that see what's happening. And Casper was there for Linda's death, and then after her death, we had coffee together, and, you know, it turned out we clicked. And I had been caregiving for about five years at that point total in our 23 years, and I was exhausted. I was truly exhausted. I had torn my shoulder because I had been carrying wheelchairs and oxygen tanks. We'd done all the goodbye visits. We had like 25 people in the house the day she died. I was pretty worn out, and it was nice to just have coffee with another adult and not have the kids present and just to relax. And it turned out she was right. We ended up getting married. Um, relatively soon, which scandalized everybody and drove a bunch of people away because I broke the widow rules.
1: And <laughs> yeah, I did. I totally to broke
2: them. Right? I broke every <laughs> last one of them. Because the widow <laughs> rules, which I was advised about, a friend of mine who's another social worker who had just buried her spouse two years before said, we got to have coffee. You need to know because I know you're going to break them. you got to know the widow rules because you're going to piss people off and they're going to vacate. Your life, And so I said, okay, tell me. Well, don't smile too much because then people will think you're too happy and you wanted them dead. And don't look too sad because you'll make people feel sad and not want to be around you. And um, don't ever be seen in public with just one person because you're not allowed to date for at least a year. And even when you do date after a year, they're still going to hate you for it because you're not minding the memory of the person they loved. And because you are a widow now, you have to make sure that you pretend like you are sort of the Blessed Virgin Mary, because even though you were married, now you have to be chastely single, and you can't talk about them if it makes other people uncomfortable. You have to keep that name out of the vocabulary.
1: Isn't that awful?
2: I looked at at her and (laughs) and said, you know I'm going to break them, right? And she said, oh, I know you already are. I said, yeah. (laughs) So, and that's part of the reason I wrote the book. I wanted people not to be facing that sort of silliness. And, in fact, they did vacate. And then six months into our marriage, Casper threw her coffee cup across the lanai while we were in Hawaii with the kids. And that's unusual because at our house, coffee time is quiet, don't speak till everyone's had their two cups, you know, that kind of thing. That's quiet time in the morning. And I looked at her and I said, what was that? And she said, my hand just did that. I didn't. And she said, I had these weird dreams last night and they were so real. I couldn't tell if I was awake or asleep or if it was real or if it wasn't. And that was the onset of Lewy body dementia. And that's what Robin Williams had. That's why he took his own life. And that is a dementia where you have Parkinsonism come on at the same time that dementia and psychosis comes on and it's broken up. So you can lose your memory and be at another time and place and then come back from it and you realize that you were in that place. And you can be psychotic and then come back and remember the psychosis. And it's like that until the end of life. Which is why Robin is. Williams did what he did. Yeah. He wasn't depressed. Wow. His watches were talking the night he died, and he put them in a sock, according to um, some publications, and he drove them to a friend's house for safekeeping because they were making too much noise. That's Louis body dementia. And she lasted about three years. It took us five neurologists. To get it right I was the one who finally suggested the diagnosis I created a medical notebook which is what I have a how-to on in the book and downloads on the on the page for it so you can make your own for free and I started you know filling in the blanks and giving them the information that she couldn't possibly do and didn't want to because it's embarrassing It's embarrassing to have NCIS Mm. telling you what to do over the television in the morning. But it's so real, you have to do it. And she was put through ECT, which is electroconvulsive therapy. She was just, it was a terrible struggle. Linda had a peaceful death. Casper did not. And um, she was finally peaceful, peaceful the last day of her life, maybe. And she was fully aware oh. of it. Even when she was comatose, she was responding. We couldn't sedate her Casper? enough because. How old was she?
1: She how was old fifty-seven is... when yeah, she how died. Fifty-seven. Are... How old was she when she was mm-hmm. diagnosed? She Casper. was diagnosed at fifty-seven. She started having symptoms wow. at fifty-four. Oh, fifty. Well, yeah. yeah, that's young. Wow, you've been through mm-hmm. a lot, Jill. A lot. I was widowed that's twice lot, before fifty.
2: And I decided wow. I didn't want anyone else to go through it the way I had. I, you know, you can't stop the disease, but you can, right. you can really help people understand what grief should be. I went to see a grief therapist. They were atrocious. That's when I realized I needed to start teaching therapists how to do grief because they don't know how to do it very well, by and large. And I don't have a problem saying that because every time I do the training, people are like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I thought that was the rule. And no, no, no. Those are not the rules. So that's why I do what I do because I want people to understand dementia. I am a true dementia warrior as well as a grief warrior. I want folks to understand there are 12 kinds of dementias and that caregivers don't necessarily want to raise money for treatment. They want to help other caregivers. They want to help them find ways to access help. I run a dementia support group once a month for free. And what they need is help understanding what's coming, help managing the symptoms. They need help finding some peace and quiet for themselves. And then they need to help after someone dies from people who don't say things like, aren't you glad that it's over?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as one more person would have said, oh, but Matt's in a better place. I wanted to smack them. I and literally wanted did. to smack that person. And what you want to say
2: is I really wish that we'd never heard of this form of dementia, and I hope nobody else ever does, and a better place would be beside me and healthy. That would be the better place, right? Right. So I'm out doing what I can do on my own little drum roll um, because I think we need to talk about it more. We need grief to be accessible to people. We need to have people know what the dying process looks like. Yes. And and we need oh, to love be you. able to help people do grief right. Cuz grief yes. shouldn't
1: be forever.
2: You go on any kind of Google search or Pinterest, oh my goodness. And you put grief in and you will get tons of stuff that says grief is a measure of your love. You will grieve as long as you knew them. Really? Cuz I don't I don't want that. And I don't want that for anyone else. And grief causes all kinds of physical things it causes brain confusion it can cause yeah. a physical fatigue like chronic fatigue level fatigue it causes people to get in the car accidents because the hand-eye coordination has not improved yet from the trauma that they've just been through it causes nightmares and sleep disruption and appetite disruption it, it's all the things and it causes inflammation and so we need folks who know how to help people with grief so that they don't get stuck there because it's not a healthy place to
1: be. That's, that's, that's so true. Is that too much soapbox? <laughs> no, no, that's the truth. Oh, I want to hug you. I wish I could hug you. Do I love this woman, so <laughs> too. Folks? I'd like to hug you this back. This is why I have Jill on the show because just the gems that you just gave, I would like to encase it. And just, you know, put it on a bulletin board all over the world because it's it's true. I am meeting people more and more, Jill, that have lost um, somebody and they are afraid to show their emotion, to show their grief. Mm-hmm. And yep. I hate when people said to, to my son, Josh, and to me, be strong. You have to be strong. Oh. Why? Why can't be strong my son means cry? You can't be human
2: because that's humans right. have emotions. Superman right. didn't cry, but Clark Kent did. Right? We, we need to be able to let people have their emotions and stop telling little boys or
1: big boys as a man of the house. Seriously. That's right. <laughs> that's um, like so 1800. I, yes. I told, you know, people, you know, do not tell that to Josh because he's been strong. Uh, You are strong when you're a caregiver, but, you know, everyone has their point. And why can't we cry? You know, why is it that people, I I even had someone say to me, I can't do, come on your show because I have to control my emotions and I'll start crying. I said, that's okay. I've cried on my show. Crying is human. I might cry. I still might cry. (laughs) I mean, I cry when I talk about Matt. Um, Why can't I? I knew Matt for 40 years. Why can't I cry when I talk about him? Right, I and mean, you're waking up without him there, and that's just an atrocious moment right. every morning. <laughs> I mean, it's, we can't always control our emotions, and I'm, I'm finding more, too, Jill, that, you know, as a society, we don't know how to handle grief because we don't see people handling grief because it's in the closet. So I say, come right. out of the grief closet, let's get it out of the closet, pop let's open talk the about lid. about it. Talk about it. Yes. And let's stop giving people cards that say things like,
2: I hope your memories will make this an easy thing and that you'll just be able to revel in their memories. You know what? We need the ones that there is one person who makes cards that are realistic and I love them. And they say things like, you know, God was a really bad planner. Because if this is God's plan, he kind of sucks. Now, the whole thing about unicorns and butterflies is really good. But – you know, death and grief, not so much, right? We need, we need people who can talk about grief and we need cards that say the right things because even the cards we send shut people down. And you go to funerals and you hear someone, you know, telling the kids, well, you know, you should be glad you have an angel looking over you. No, 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 no. You should be sad that you don't have your parent with you. That's what you should be.
1: <laughs> right. Right? It, I it, I have to just, share oh. this uh I have to share this Jill. I said it like a, a month ago. I went to a funeral of my mom's uh friend's husband. I've known this couple for my whole life. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a Jewish funeral and the rabbi did a beautiful ceremony because we tear the clothing, but we get a strip yes. And she, and she described it. The the woman's the the rabbi was a woman, and she did a beautiful job. And she said the reason why we tear our clothing is to show that something's been torn from our life and we are not the same. I like right. that. I do too. That was beautiful. I like, do I too. not show,
2: show? Right. That. Why don't we all sit shiva together and share the loss? It's a wonderful way to to really make the loss come home. There's a book called um, The Beauty of What Remains by Rabbi Steve Later, and it is so realistic. And he wrote it, he said at the beginning, because he thought he knew grief and he owed everyone he'd ever done a funeral for an apology because he didn't know what loss was like until he lost his dad to Alzheimer's last year. (laughs) It's a great book. And that's book. true. It's realistic. Yeah, yeah, it's totally realistic. I'm sorry for the noise. We adopt old poodles here, and um, <laughs> Doug has a collapsing trachea, so I'm trying oh. to walk around and keep him further away from me so that I cannot have that sound behind me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, uh, but I know myself after losing that, I'm more empathetic to someone who loses a spouse or a partner. Or right, even cause a you parent. Because I've lost a parent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But definitely. Um, there's a difference. And I probably did say something stupid to people when I was younger because I didn't know any better. And you know, the um, thing people say, they do it with good intent. That's
2: the part right. even grievers need to remember. It's not said to be hurtful. The impact is hurtful, but it's not intended to be hurtful. It's intended to be. I don't know what else to say and I really want to make this better for you. That's why they say right. the things. But we could do some whole we could do a whole big training on what to say, what not to say, you know, show up please. If there's right. a service to go to the service, me. even if you don't like them.
1: Right? Right. Because with COVID we've got there. so
2: many extra deaths and we're gonna have we have a right. lot of late funerals. And There are people who are not going to attend because, well, it was so long ago. You know what? Your presence still matters. More than anything else, presence matters when someone dies. You need those people. You need to see in their faces that your loss counted. That's
1: that's right. Just by carrying clothes. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just to be there and... Just to hold someone's hand and listen to them right? without judgment. I did a a podcast by myself probably uh, well over a year ago, probably almost two years ago, because Matt will be gone two years in January, called I Don't Need Your Permission to Grieve. You're one of the few. You're actually a rebellious widow. (laughs) Yes, yeah. <laughs> I am. Oh, yeah, that's why I loved your book. Um, you know, if I want to talk about men, if that makes someone uncomfortable, you know I come to the conclusion, Jill, not my problem. That's not your problem. Your problem. Right. That's not my problem. Right. Um, and if someone has just know. been widowed
2: or become a widow, don't make them support you. Your role is to support them. They, right. they have so little energy left, and they really need you to, to be there with them and not for you to say, This makes me so sad, too, because if someone's been a caregiver, they are going to instantly go into caregiver mode Mm -hmm. and use up what precious energy they have left to caregive you for the grief you're having over their spouse dying, which is just not fair. (laughs) That's the wrong way for the energy to go. Right? You needed your energy for for your son. That was what was important.
1: Yes. And to... Uh, support him. And I'll tell you what, Josh did not like people telling him to be strong. And I think, and I know you would agree with me, Jill, it's very important for our children to be able to come to us and Mm then without us judging Mm -hmm. them and let them uh, tell their feelings and to validate them. Because We don't want our kids, we don't want them to shut down the communication and our kids get advice from the wrong people or to numb their right. pain with drugs and alcohol. We don't want that. We a- want them parent. to be
2: able to know they can go to their friends and they can go to you and that you're right. going to be able to talk about them. We've, as we're doing this, Thanksgiving is coming up. Families should have the person who died included in Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and I eat and Christmas and all those things because they didn't disappear. They died. Right. And they're still part of the family. Yes. We celebrate Christmas. My tree is covered in ornaments with pictures of people who have died because they're still part of Christmas and we can laugh and, you know, share the pictures and remember happy memories, but they're still present. It's not like this big old elephant in the room that, you know, mama's missing and grandpa's missing. We shouldn't have that.
1: They should be part of it. Yes, include them in and do something to honor their memory. Um, my anniversary right. was just last week, November 1st, and I ordered a cake. I bought myself flowers, and I bought Matt's favorite ice cream and Josh and I's favorite ice cream, and we went out and we celebrated. And That's we celebrated the way everything. it should be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I take um, a little bottle of champagne and I go sit at the cemetery and have a, you know, a favorite food that each of them had on anniversaries. It's a little crowded. I've got two headstones with my name on it. I'm kind of a condo.
0: um,
2: You know, you you should remember them and you should remember the good times. But, you know, when we lose someone to dementia, we, we can't forget what dementia did. And right. the angst we all went through and the angst they went through. And we should use that Absolutely. to help other people who are losing someone to dementia to give them that little prop up
1: or big prop up
2: while they're facing it. Because dementia is a really hard disease.
1: Yes. Absolutely. It's the most unforgiving. Um, yes. I, I know I'm going into a tough time for myself uh, yeah. because Matt was dying really after thanks between Thanksgiving well after Thanksgiving and he died on New Year's Day 2020. So this and he was oh my in goodness the we're hospice. twins yes <laughs> he was in the hospice unit in the hospital during uh, between Christmas and New Year's. Oh that's, that's hard. Uh, that was our Christmas break. Josh and I were both on Christmas break. We were working at the time and we spent the holidays up in the hospice unit watching Matt die. So it's a tough time for the both of us. But oh, it we, absolutely um, is. Yeah, but I told Josh, as you know, what the last few weeks of your father's life was not his whole life. We have to look at the whole picture. The good times. Mm-hmm. And not just Mm -hmm. you know it it is hard to get that image of Matt dead out of my head or in the body bag. That was tough, but I tried to focus Mm -hmm. on the on the good times. And you know before um, it was either before Matt died or after. Josh asked me, "Are we going to still celebrate Father's Day and Daddy's birthday?" I said, "Of course, Mm -hmm. of course we will, because
2: he lived and he was part of us, and we need to celebrate that." And you have right, a dad, and and you still have a dad. He's just not physically present right now. Of course right. we celebrate those.
1: But right. other people think that's, that's weird. Crazy. They
2: see that happening, yeah. and they're like, oh, my gosh. Why would you do that? Well, because they were yes. here. That's right. They might think, on my, my crackpot. Crack <laughs> right? That's present. right. And it's okay, that's right? Because now I'm married to the funeral director who took care of both of them. And, you know, <laughs> she gets dragged into all of the... You know, all the discussions about both of them, but she knew both of them because she made both their arrangements. Um, and she helped take care of Casper because I had lost so many people because a lot of my helpers disappeared because I broke the widow rules. So, really? you know, it's, yeah. it's Veterans Day, so, you know, flag goes to the cemetery because Linda was in the Navy. You know, we, we do those things, and we need to.
1: Yes. And
2: absolutely. We, we have to remember them and talk about them. And if you've got some ways to do it, and and your family hasn't done it, then do it anyway.
1: That's right. You be don't the trendsetter. Trendsetter. Yeah. That's right. It's it's your life. Right? So you get to do it your way. Yes. Be the, you know I I say be the role model, be the trendsetter. You know my mom right? um, from the old school. My brother died in January, and she's not one to talk about her. You know, grief or her feelings. Once in a while, she does. But I'll post my brother's pictures, and I definitely, you know, Matt's memories come up. I post them. I, yeah. I you know, did videos of the good Bad and the ugly of his journey, and I'm going to show it every year because I don't want people to forget about Matt right. and what, what he went through. And right, you know, I wrote blogs, we, and I still publish. Yeah. Them. Yes, I mean we we don't need people's permission to grieve. So folks, if you're in, out there and you're grieving someone, you have every right to talk about your loved one. And it's not your And if you're not problem. grieving, you do too. that's right. Then <laughs> you right? can smile have- and laugh. Mhm. Yeah, and feel the
2: sunshine and take trips. And you can take the trip that you were going to take with them and see it for them and talk that's about Right,
1: them. And that's, that's right. okay. I'm and sure, you know, I Jill, that you memories now. Mm-hmm. have a new appreciation for life just like I do. You lost two oh, wives. They were young. I lost my mm-hmm. uh, husband. He was 66. My brother was 67. Life's that's too short. Young. Um yeah. yeah, life's too short, and I can't be worried about what people think. I don't care anymore what people think. They could go jump off a roof. If you don't like how I'm grieving, how I'm not grieving, I don't care. Right. That's, but let me teach problem. you some
2: things about grief so that, you, that when it happens to you, you'll remember it. Right. So that you will, and then you will know what maybe you should have done differently because you can't know until you've been there. But you can learn the lesson because it's going to happen to all of us. You can't not talk about grief because you can't get out of the world without dying. So everyone, by definition, is going to experience a loss from death. If they have any relationships whatsoever, if they have pets, they're going to experience that. Right? That's right. That's right. And that's why we do grief and loss all day around here because we, we adopt the old poodles that... Would otherwise be put to sleep because they're in terrible shape, and they come live with us for, you know, six months to four years before we lose them, and and it's wonderful to give them that time, and to appreciate what they have left in them.
1: Well, oh, that's really nice. You are a special person, Jill.
2: You know, You're it's selfish just... on my part because when I get off, so when I get off from a client, I get to go out and play with the dogs, and. It's special to be able to have the little faces looking at you. Maybe that not when you're staring a um, bed with five of them. That's a little much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jill, I could talk to you forever. Is there um, a way for people to get in touch with you? It will be in the blog, but uh, can you just um, say how sure. people can get in touch with you and where they can buy you your can, books? I know Amazon.
2: Absolutely. You can find me at at www.jilljohnsonyoung.com, no hyphens, no caps, super simple. And you can also find me at therebelliouswidow.com, and both of those have links to the book, but you can also find all my books, because I have children's books as well, um, on Amazon by just looking my name up. Um, And on my jilljohnsonyoung.com, you'll also find links to my counseling practice, there are emails on there where you can reach me. I try to be as accessible as possible. I'm not so good with phone calls, do, but I'm really
1: good with email. Okay. Do you do grief counseling, a <laughs> virtual, for people that yes. live in other parts of the country? I can't do
2: counseling with people outside of my state. I do do support oh, groups okay. occasionally that are time-limited because support groups I can do outside the state, but I do have links to other people whose grief therapy I trust, and okay. I can provide those if I know someone in in that person's area. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's, okay. It, it's well,
2: nice to be reachable. It's nice to help.
1: Yes. Yes, it is. And I want to tell the audience, Jill's going to be back next month. Yep. December 8th. So, you need to subscribe to Chatting with Betsy so you don't miss wonderful resources that I have on wonderful people such as Jill Johnson Young. You really you got a bunch need of them, to, folks. Subscribe. Yeah, uh, subscribe because I the holidays are coming up and I'm having a lot of people talking about. Um, and no, it's not because I'm morbid about grieving and holidays and how to deal with it. I just had two other guests on uh, the, uh, one post is out with Megan Smith Brooks um, because we need to have these conversations. That's, that's why. not because I'm morbid, but we need to have it. It's not to morbid to talk about death, That
2: that's a myth. It's absolutely healthy to talk about death and the holidays. You know, we try and make them so hard. Without meaning to, but we'll talk about that next time because I've got lots to say about that too, of
1: course, yeah. <laughs> like everyone else. Well, thank <laughs> you. Well, thank you so much, Jill. I appreciate you coming on. You are wonderful. And that, see, folks, this is, <laughs> this is why I want to clone Jill. This is why I want to clone this woman and put her Invite in and different hospitals. Invite me in I'll come speak.
2: <laughs> yep. I am always happy to speak anywhere somebody wants me to. I, I, that's like recess for a grief therapist, to get out and meet people. So
1: I am happy to do that if someone wants to say hello. That's great. And check out, what is your page for your podcast? Oh, the again, grief Jill? chat.
2: Yeah, you can go on to Facebook and put in the Friday grief chat, or you can go to Humor, Grace, and Grief. I have trouble saying that, by the way. Humor, grace, and grief. Um, and there is, our um, link is there. It's every Friday um, at 10 in the morning Pacific and so on across the country. And then, the, of course, it stays on there so you can hear old ones. And it really is just me with um, Deborah Joy Hart, who's also a grief person, and we just talk about all things grief. It's, it's um, sort of our it. way of coping with everything. Yeah.
1: I'm glad you do. Yeah. I, I saw the one last, from last Friday, I believe it was, because I couldn't watch it when it was live, and I thought, okay, I'll catch the repeat, and I'm telling you folks, I was yelling in New Jersey, because it was so right on. <laughs> it was so spot on. I was going, yeah, preach it, sister. That's <laughs> yes. right. Because uh, it's, it's
2: they, what we do, and people who know grief need <laughs>
1: want people to know how to do it, and yes, be healthy yes. with it. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I always say that if you're having difficulty, please seek counseling. Yes. You know, check your, your healthcare provider and seek uh, grief counseling, uh, mental health counseling. There's no shame in that. It's not a weakness, okay? It's a strength. It's being your own you know hero. Need help. Yes. It is being your
2: own yes. hero and taking care of you, especially if you've been a caregiver, you have learned not to take care of you. And yes. in grief, we need to take care of us. That's right. That's that's the bottom line. We need to go to the doctor, take care of the stuff and get the help we need because it's a hard time to lose someone and we can make it easier if you reach
1: the right person. But do find a therapist who knows grief. Yes. Yes. And you know, it, there's no shame. If you need an antidepressant to help you get over a hump, uh-huh. there's, Oh, absolutely it's okay. not. You know, yeah. it's okay to treatable. need help. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong uh, with that either. And don't let people shame you that there is something wrong. Cause it, there, it's not, um, it's and they perfectly need to be shamed. Yeah, yes, they do absolutely, absolutely. Yep. Oh, Jill, you and I are on the same wavelength. I just, um, I love being with like-minded <laughs> so people.
2: <laughs> me too. Thank really you for do. having me. I
1: appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you very much uh, for coming on, folks. If you missed any of this podcast, excuse my voice. <coughs> excuse me. If you missed any of this podcast, you can catch it again on your favorite podcast outlet. I'm also, I'll just give you some examples, Spotify, Spreaker, Amazon Music. Uh, You could just put in chatting with Betsy, but I'm on um, most of your major podcast outlets. Share this podcast, folks, not because to promote me. It's because I want to help people. So if you know someone who is grieving, then please share this podcast to help them because that's what this show is about. It's about helping people and um, throwing people a lifeline. And I'm paying it forward. So please share this podcast and uh, subscribe so you do hear wonderful speakers. And I just want everyone to have a happy Thanksgiving. And if you can't, then have a peaceful one, I hope. I hope you have a peaceful one. And please check out... Jill Johnson-Young's book, The Rebellious Widow, I'm going to tell you, you will think it's phenomenal. I do. And I'm not getting any kickbacks from Jill. <laughs> I'm telling you I how I feel. Them. <laughs> 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 They're probably thinking, that you say every book is phenomenal. What are you getting a kickback? No, I'm not getting kickback. Uh, she reads telling books, folks. I'm, I'm just passionate. I'm passionate about what well, like-minded people are on the same wavelength as I am. And we need to have mm-hmm. these discussions and here in chatting with Betsy. You will hear people speak their truth. I speak my truth. My guests speak their truth. And that's the way it is. Am I everyone's it's cup of tea? No. One person at a time. That's right. Um, not everyone's cup of tea. And that's okay. Because not everybody's my cup of tea either. But I just want to help people. And that's what this podcast chatting with Betsy is about, not about Betsy. It's about you, the audience and helping people because that's where uh, my heart is. And I promised Matt when he was dying, that I was going to continue on with what I'm doing. And I know he would say, I'm proud of you (laughs) Booby.
2: You're keeping your promise.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I am. So, Until we chat again, this is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy and Passionate World Talk Radio Network. Oh, yes, please read the blog. Thank you to Jeannie White, station manager who produces the show and writes the blog, and thank you to Lillian Caldwell, CEO of Passionate World Talk Radio Network, who makes it all possible for me and for others to have a platform to be heard. Thank you. I can't thank Lil and Caldwell enough in this uh, radio station because, you know, it, it, we really do entertain, uh, educate, enlighten, and entertain. That's for sure. Every guest does that for me. So, just uh, be safe, everyone, and thank you for listening. Have a good well, it is night now in New Jersey. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> Good
0: night, afternoon, morning, wherever you are. Uh, Take care now. Bye bye. Are you looking for an internet talk radio station for your podcast? Look no further. At the helm of Passionate World Talk Radio are two women that want to provide a spot for you and your podcast to be heard. There are many other places for your podcast, but PWTR has the audience. You will not be disappointed. Our station has been on the internet for the past 16 years. Call us for more information. 484-364-1032. Our text, Jeannie White, Station Manager at t h e c o n n e c t s h o w at gmail.com for our podcast show details. Thank you for listening to Passionate World Talk Radio. You can listen to this program all over again by going over to HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash Passionate World Talk radio dot com. You can also hear it on Spotify, Spreaker, Amazon, A-L-E-X-A, amfm247.com, every Tuesday evening between 8 and 9 p.m. YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Live, LinkedIn, and all the other podcast directories one can find on the Internet.